Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now when Herod the king heard this, he was overjoyed. Oh no, that doesn't say overjoyed. He was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he asked them, he inquired of them, where is the Christ? Where was he to be born? So they said to him, well, in Bethlehem of Judea, for, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and, and worship him as well. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the, where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, arise and take the young child and his mother and go to Egypt, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother, and by night they departed for Egypt and, and, and was there and stayed there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were born in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years of age and under, according to the time which he had, which he had determined from the wise men. And then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted 
because they were no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. And he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in another dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And we're going to hear from Pastor Russ. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for reading our passage here today. This message comes to you a bit outside the norm. Uh, it was necessary for me to record this week's message uh, due to quarantine. Uh, while an audio message, rather than being in person with you, is not the most ideal, uh, I do believe that God is still going to be moving and he is going to use this message. Uh, I know many of you in the congregation listen to messages throughout the week on stations like KJYL and Bot Radio Network, or you listen to podcasts and more, and, and so we know that just listening to audio, uh, there's a ministry, though, that God still does, even if you can't quite see the person. And normally, in my absence, I would bring someone in that would pulpit fill for me, and I was actually in conversations this week uh, for a replacement when I just felt the need to hold back and actually stay the course uh, for what we're doing here today. I've had this message weighing on me for about three to four weeks now, and I just lacked peace with moving this message to another week. Uh, I think it's very timely, and I think we also are entering into this new Kings series and new reading plan, and, and just how all this fits together with the rest of our messages. It just felt like we need to stay the course. And it's good, I think, for our congregation to hear from other people, and so I'm going to ask some individuals to join us in this series uh, later on, but today we're going to kick things off here with this message that's called, The King is Dead. And the first king we're looking at in this series is actually Herod the Great. This would be the king of Judea, empowered by Rome. We see this king here in Matthew chapter 2, and Rome actually called him king of the Jews. And one interesting fact about Herod was that he was a descendant of Esau, and due to some intermarriage, he actually identified as a Jew, even though he didn't really practice the Jewish faith. And under Herod's rule, uh, there was actually some economic prosperity for the Jews, and there's many architectural feats that Herod would be known for. Uh, one of them in, would be his high elevation palace uh, known as the Herodium, and he also gained incredible favor with Jewish people because he made renovations to their temple 
and they were even claiming it or calling it Herod's temple. And despite the economic prosperity, uh, Herod, though, his heart was bankrupt. And he was incredibly twisted and evil. He was very insecure. And we see in Matthew chapter 2 that he was easily threatened and feared potential rivals of the throne. And he even put to death those that were closest to him, uh, individuals like his own brother-in-law and his own mother-in-law. He even put to death one of his wives and, and even two of his own sons. And as the statement goes, it is better to be Herod's dog than one of his children. Herod wanted Jesus dead. And when he loses his connection with the Magi that went to go see Jesus and they would help Herod locate Jesus, when he loses sight of them, he flips out and orders that all the toddlers in the area of Bethlehem be killed. And God warns Joseph in a dream and instructs him to go to Egypt. And there they wait until something would happen to King Herod. I want you to look at two verses with me from Matthew chapter 2. It's verses 19 and 20. It'll also be on the screen. The Bible says that after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Well, due to King Herod's pursuit, Joseph and his family, they are held up in Egypt, unable to move forward, and it wasn't until King Herod died that they were finally able to leave. They were finally able to move on. Perhaps there's some application here for our own lives. You know, ringing in a new year often comes with uh, new commitments or, or resolutions or, or resets and the like, all in an effort to move forward in a better or healthier way. And I want to present a question to us today that I think challenges anything in our life that needs to go in order for us to move on. And the question is this, is there a king in our life that needs to die in order for us to move forward? Years ago, Brady and I were at a church service in Des Moines on New Year's weekend. And this passage was actually addressed along with that very question. And it felt like maybe I was the only person in the room and the preacher was talking uh, just to me. Uh, unbeknownst to him, I, I was struggling with a relationship that was uh, very difficult. It was a constant source of, of frustration and anxiety. And, and I was just thinking, honestly, Lord, life would be so much easier if this individual was no longer present in my life. And as you're processing that, Here's what the preacher says. He says, now, before you start to think 
of people in your life that need to go, consider this. The people who frustrate you the most, bug you the most, get under your skin the most, or create the most anxiety in you, uh, these are the people who are likely revealing the king in you that needs to die. Whoa. Like instantly I knew there was something actually in me that needed to die in order for me to move forward. Here are some kings that actually can set up a throne in our lives, and perhaps you know them personally. Uh, one king is pride or selfishness. Another one would be hatred or jealousy or addiction and unforgiveness. The king of control or greed or drunkenness or lust or deception or idolatry and as I'm walking through these things if you're thinking of other people when I list these things it's possible that the king you might be struggling with is self-righteousness and I want you to think of this King Herod actually had kings in his life. I mean, think how great this man could have been if these kings that were inside of him were dead. Uh, if he didn't have that insecurity and that jealousy and, and that pride, uh, he, he would have been a better leader. He, he would have been a better husband. He would have been a better father. And you think of that economic uh, prosperity that he brought the region uh, he would have been a revered leader, but instead uh, people disliked him. People feared him. And all these kings that live inside of us have the power to hold us back and keep us from moving forward. And these kings that are in us need to die. But how? And I want to walk us through a little bit of a step-by-step -step process on that. And the very first step for these kings to die is it starts at the cross of King Jesus. Galatians 2.20, the Bible says that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible talks about us laying down our life at the cross, being crucified so that I no longer live, but that King Jesus lives in me. Romans 6 unpacks this as well, talking about how that we know that our old self was crucified with him. So this takes place at salvation when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives and we come to him in our sin and we need redemption, we need forgiveness. When we come to him with this and we're born again, we're crucified 
with Christ. And as we live, we live in him, we live for him. And the Bible says in Romans 6, verse 6, is that the body that is ruled by sin might be done away with. And we are no longer slaves to sin. And in verse 7 it says, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You need the kings in your life to die. The very first step is to make sure that you start at the cross of Jesus Christ. That is where our old self has been crucified. That is where we have died to sin and been made alive in Christ. Another step we can take is we live in light of kingdom grace. If you keep reading in Romans chapter 6, it says in verse 11, we're to count ourselves dead to sin, but alive in God. And then in verses 12 through 13, it talks about uh, we don't let sin reign in our bodies um, and that we're not uh, using our bodies as instruments of sin or, or wickedness. Rather, we're using our lives or our bodies as instruments of righteousness, doing things for the kingdom with these bodies that God has given us. And in verse 14, it says that sin is no longer our master because we live under grace. And so as we operate in this kingdom of, of grace and we're set free and God gives us a purpose, that's one of the ways that, that we can eliminate kings in our life is when we serve, when we, when we live in light of what God has done for us and, and we live for him. We offer our lives to his service and God does amazing things in that. You see people grow in incredible ways and things they used to struggle with. They don't struggle with them anymore because they're, they're just so much more focused on things of the kingdom rather than things of the world. And even though we're saved and our, our lives have, have come to the cross of Jesus Christ and we live in his kingdom of grace, uh, there's still a struggle for all of us uh, between what the Bible would talk about as our flesh versus the spirit, our flesh, our old self, and our sin nature, and the Holy Spirit living in us. Even though I'm saved, there's still a struggle. Even though I'm saved, I still have fleshly desires, and Romans 8 unpacks how to work through those things. And specifically, in verse 5, it says, people who are ruled by their desires or by their flesh, think only of themselves. Our desires, they fight against God because they do not and they cannot obey God's laws. But in verse 13, it says, you will live if by the help of God's spirit, you say no to your desires or no to your flesh. So while we live here on this sin-cursed planet, we have the help of the Holy Spirit that he, he helps us say no to these desires, to these things that rule in our life, but we're still going to have times where we stumble and fall. And there's a very real enemy of our soul that tries to stir up our flesh and even place strongholds 
onto our lives, these kings that set up thrones in places they don't have authority. This is why it's important to take serious the words of Paul in Ephesians 6 when he says to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Satan is always trying to trip us up. He's always trying to to feed our flesh, so to speak. And, and we've got to put on this armor that he lists here in Ephesians 6 and specifically in verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God does a tremendous thing in regards to this battle between our flesh and and the Spirit. Let's look at what Hebrews 4 verses 12 through 13 says. Perhaps you've heard this verse before. The Bible says that the Word of God is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so as I look at Romans 8 and Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 4, and I see these passages about the Spirit of God helping us with our flesh and, and the sharpness of the Word of God helping us with our flesh, I get to a step three, and that is to let the sword of the Spirit slay your flesh. That might seem like an odd thing to say or a bit heavy thing to say, but it is truth. It is what God wants to help us with. And there is a sharpness about it. And in Hebrews 4.13, to unpack some of the language, when it says that everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account, the Greek word there that is translated into laid bare or, or maybe some translations say open or exposed, it's this Greek word, trachaliso, and the Strong's Concordance uses this word picture for this particular word, and that is to bend back the neck of a victim to be slain. It's a military word. And you think, is God serious about slaying our flesh? And I would say, yes, he is. And he uses the word of God to help us slay the flesh, to slay these kings that are in our life that need to go. God wants to help us defeat the kings in our life. He wants to help us move forward through his cross, through his grace, through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every king can come to an end. And God's Spirit is here now to help us kill some of these kings that, quite frankly, need to go as you and I move forward into 2022.
And a question for all of us, is there any king, is there any king at all that you can identify right now? And one thing that liberated me those years ago in Des Moines is the four words, the king is dead. The king is dead. You submit this to the Lord Jesus Christ and you ask him to slay this issue. The king is dead. And it's quite possible that Following these moments right now, there'll be another moment in your life where something will rise back up in you. You just need to remind yourself of these four words. The king is dead. The king is dead. And God can set you free by the power of his cross, his grace, his word, and his spirit as we move forward together in freedom and in victory. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, you know every heart. You know the things that we struggle with. You know our weaknesses. You know these kings that need to be eliminated. And so, Lord, I'm asking for you to come and help us to be set free from the rule of these kings that can set up throne in our life. And I pray, Lord, that you would replace that rule and reign. And that you would give us your power and your victory to overcome these things. We thank you for your cross. We thank you for your grace and love and for your word. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to walk in freedom. Help us to move forward into 2022, into all that you'd have in store, unhindered, by these things of our flesh that can weigh us down. Lord, it's possible there's someone listening that they've not given you complete authority and control of their life. Today is their day to start at the cross, King Jesus, and to be crucified with Christ so that they no longer live, but you live in them. If there's someone that desires that today, I invite that individual to place their faith and trust in Jesus and what he's done for them on the cross. And to pray with me right now in your heart to invite him into your life. Just say with me, Jesus, today I surrender to you. Come and be my king. Please forgive me of my sin. And may my old self be put to death so that I might have new life in you. 
Help me to live in the kingdom of grace by the power of your spirit, through the power of your word. I thank you for this gift of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.